Friday afternoon. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell on the way. Laker legend and now Clipper consultant Jerry West coming up at 2.30 this afternoon. And then later we're going to hand off to Mason in Ireland and everybody's going to go out and have a great weekend. All right, Kevin O'Connell will be here in just a matter of moments. He'll join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Brawny, let me know when Kevin O'Connell is here. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, I have a lot of other things I definitely want to get to today. Like, have you guys seen any of the TNT uh, talk? You know, they've brought everybody back now. They've got Shaquille and they got Chuck and they got Kenny and they got they got Ernie, Ernie, they got Ernie. And then and then they're they're all talking about top tens. Who's in your top 10 of all time? Is, is Shaq in the top 10? Is Kobe in the top 10? Is LeBron not making somebody's top 10 blasphemy? I'm going to play some of that for you coming up in a matter of moments. Again, Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. And let me introduce Kevin O'Connell, the new offensive coordinator of the Rams, who finds himself in a job where, wait a second, year one, new team, new coaching staff, new players, and all of a sudden I can't even go near anybody. How did that all work in the offseason? Here's Kevin O'Connell on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Hey, Kev. Scott, how are you, man? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. It's good to be on with you. Yeah. Now, do I understand that you and family are heading home from a vacation? Is that right? Uh, Just my wife and I, we kind of tried to get away uh, just for a couple days to – uh, celebrate our 10-year anniversary here before we get going here, hopefully pretty soon with training camp and everything. It's always such an important time of year, uh, not only with the kids, but obviously uh, my wife's kind of the real rock star to be able to, when football season starts, you know our schedule, you know kind of what it takes uh, from a standpoint of a family commitment. So uh, I always like to this time of year make sure we're taking care of the family and, and, and her absolutely the most important. So, Remind me of your wife's name, please. My wife's name is Leah. Yeah, okay. we met at uh, San Diego State. You right remember on. that? I, I do, and, and I, I'm going to assume you're on Bluetooth. Is Leah in the car? Uh, I'm actually just on my phone, but uh, Leah is in the car, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, because I'm telling you right now, dude, I mean, being a football wife is not easy. Football season comes around, and football coaches, you know, it's kind of a badge of honor. It's like, oh, I'm going to be at the office till 11 o'clock tonight, honey. And then tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off at 4 a.m., I'm going to be in the office by 5. I mean, guys work ridiculous hours during the season. So I know being a – well, I shouldn't say I know because I've never been a football wife, but I, I envision <laughs> it being very difficult. I can tell you that right now. Where would you guys go? Uh, we just got away uh, to up in Fly- the Flagstaff area in Arizona, a little cabin area, just, you know, try to get uh, get out of the hustle and bustle. We've been down in San Diego for a few days, a few weeks, visiting family and and uh, kind of just trying to, you know, m- maximize the time together while, while still not being able to really feel comfortable traveling too far out of uh, the local area there, but at the same time wanting to get away and spend some good time together. Okay, we're talking to Kevin O'Connell. He's the Rams' offensive coordinator in his first year. Um, what, where in L.A. did you guys move to when you, when you left Washington's pro football franchise, whose name I probably shouldn't use anymore? When you left them and you came out to the Rams, where did you guys decide to set up shop? Yeah, we actually got the family, you know, probably about two, three, four, maybe a month before, you know, the, the real effect of the virus really started. 
where things were being shut down and travel became an issue, we were able to get the whole family out, the, the wife and our, all three of our kids, uh, set up shop in Thousand Oaks there right near the facility. It's always, uh, as you talked about before with our schedule, it's always important uh, for me to be, you know, in a great place for my family, but at the same time close enough so that I can maximize the times we do get uh, throughout the season to be around them. All right, we're talking to Kevin O'Connell. He is the Rams' first-year offensive coordinator at Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. So you get this job, and, and I would love for you to first tell me if there's a connection because, you know, Jay Gruden was originally the coach in Washington. He got let go. But there's been a lot of stories reported over the years that when Sean McVay became the head coach of the Rams, it was fascinating to people that he was such a young guy. Well, how did he get to where he was so quickly and there was a lot of talk about how John Gruden had given him his early start, but the Gruden grandfather and the McVeigh grandfather, they go way, way back in coaching from the state of Ohio. I'm just wondering if you, having worked for Jay Gruden and Gruden and McVeigh being like family, is that part of how you became the offensive coordinator of the Rams? Yeah, I really think it goes back to how I became uh, the quarterback coach of the, of, of the team in Washington, like you said. I mean, that was a time where uh, Sean was the offensive coordinator there, had a heavy influence on that quarterback room with Kirk Cousins and Colt McCoy at the time. Um, and when he got the job uh, in Los Angeles, first and foremost, my relationship with him um, had kind of started a couple years before that, young coaches in the league. And, and I was uh, two, three years before that, a first-time coach in the league. And despite being a former player, I really wanted to uh, try to reach out to him and just – any way I could, whether at the combine or, you know, I, I remember talking to him when I was in, in Cleveland and before a preseason game when we played, uh, we played Washington, um, just trying to pick his brain and continue to, to learn from him. Because you know, the one thing about Coach McVay is, is he's so intelligent, but he's also uh, willing to share and willing to talk and, and explain his situation, the, the type of work it took for him to get to where he is, not only today, but at that time in Washington. Um, but also the sacrifices and the things that that uh, that he had to do and, and, and he had to make to get to where he is. And, and you can learn from somebody like that who obviously was on such a fast track uh, to where he is now. And, and what I love about him the most is he continues to evolve and learn uh, and, and really want to just try to make things the best possible situation, not only around himself but for his football team. And I really do think that's one of his best qualities. But going back to obviously his relationship with, uh, Coach Gruden there in Washington, I, I do think uh, Sean uh, had a, had an impact on Jay when uh, he might have, may have recommended my name or if Jay had already heard my name, maybe just said, yeah, you know, I've had a, you know, I've gotten to know him pretty well. He's definitely a guy you want to talk to. Uh, but at the same time, it was important for me to have the opportunity to follow Coach McVay there in, in Washington because of how uh, things have been set up there. There were a couple other coaches, Coach Bill Callahan, Coach Matt Cavanaugh, who I actually played for uh, when I played for the Jets late in my career. So uh, obviously there was a lot of connection points, but it was it, it turned out to be a great experience for me, obviously to be around somebody like Jay, the other coaches there, quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, um, and this past year with, with uh, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins. It just kind of uh, was the perfect thing for me at that point in time in my career uh, that obviously led me to, to a great opportunity here in Los Angeles that I couldn't be more excited about. Yeah, this is really cool to hear you talking like that. This is Kevin O'Connell. He's the first-year offensive coordinator of the Rams. It's Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Interesting, though, by the way, how old is Sean McVay? Do you have any idea? I mean, just like off the top of your head, approximately? 
I don't. I know. I just. Uh, I know we're close in age. Um, whether he's older or I'm older, I, I don't remember. But I do know that uh, you know he's somewhere around that 34, 35, 36 area. Yeah. I mean, I know he was just recently bar mitzvah. I could tell you that right now. But let me ask you this: You notice that these coaches are are getting younger around the league. You know, Zach Taylor left McVeigh, went to Cincinnati. Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, people were shocked, of course, when he left USC to become the coach of Arizona. And Joe Judge of the Giants, people were like, wait a second, I don't know who that is. He's, he's on the New England staff. How did he all of a sudden get over here to the Giants staff? I'd never heard of the guy. Uh, but you can definitely see a pattern that head coaches are getting younger in the NFL, which I would say bodes well for a guy like yourself who's in his you know, early to mid-30s that you know you you have a couple of good years you take a guy like Jared Goff and you go okay he was in the Super Bowl then he didn't make the playoffs then O'Connell becomes the offensive coordinator Rams go on to do this something good and all of a sudden it's it's fast track you have an opportunity to fast track to head coach yeah i think uh you know you said it and and what, one of the things that i was most excited about coming here uh, four was was Jared Goff. I've always, you know, going back to evaluating him coming out in the draft, to obviously watching his early success in the first couple years um, uh, of Coach McVay and this staff being put together in the offense um, that he was able to, you know, be, you know, be at the forefront of. Um, and then obviously getting to study the tape last year, not only from afar, but when I first took the job, you see so many good things that, that Jared's capable of doing. He's one of the more talented guys that I've ever been around as far as throwing the football. Uh, so as a, a guy fascinated with the quarterback position and always trying to, you know, help guys maximize um, fundamentally from a preparation standpoint, from a, you know, leadership and intangible standpoint, to be a, around a guy who's still a young player but yet has accomplished quite a bit early on in his career, uh, it was a huge factor in me trying to get here uh, to join Coach McVay's staff and, and even through a spring where, no, it wasn't, you know, the normal spring of OTAs and mini camps and things, uh, Jared and I have been able to form a great relationship uh, from a standpoint of, you know, the trust that you want to have a guy have in you as, as his coach, but also really start, uh, you know, establishing that foundation so that when we are able to get on the field together and prepare uh, to play football games, hopefully this fall, uh, we can hit the ground running. Yeah, we're talking to Kevin O'Connell. He is the first-year offensive coordinator of the Rams. Scott Kaplan here on 710 ESPN. It's got to be the weirdest thing, right, Kev? It's like you go and you're like, okay, I'm getting this gig, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to work with Goff, and, and then you know, guys start to take off. I mean, all of a sudden, Gurley's gone, and Cooks is gone, and then the draft comes, and you start to replace guys. And, and you feel like, I want to be hands-on because that's how you build camaraderie. That's how you, you get yourself ready for the season. It's how we know what each other is thinking. It's we can communicate non-verbally, et cetera. I mean, I'm just going through all of these things that you just – we're not able to do this past offseason, which makes it even more difficult when you're in your shoes where you're working with a new staff and you're working with new players. How has that been? I, I have to give Coach McVay so much credit because, you know, obviously getting out in front of the circumstances that we would, you know, have to try to maximize our ability to coach and, and improve our football team this spring. Um, he laid out such a solid plan very early on, you know, even when, the first couple weeks of the offseason program, we were allowed to kind of go virtual right after the draft. Um, you know, we had plans in place. If we were able to get on the field at some point, we had plans in place uh, throughout the whole virtual offseason, which it ended up being. Uh, so from day one, um, the players had a clear-cut objective of what we wanted to accomplish as a, as a team, 
uh, both as a coaching staff and, and the players. And so every single day was organized in a way where we were, you know, very similar to had we been able to get on the field and, and have some offense versus defense and have some, uh, have the ability to, you know, work on our technique and fundamentals. We were able to lay those things out. Uh, through the use of every bit of technology we could possibly find. And, and I got to give so much credit to the video guys and some of our tech people within the organization to really allow me to feel like I was running some quarterback meetings and offensive meetings right from my office at home, uh, but didn't really sacrifice a lot from an information standpoint uh, because of the capabilities that we had and because of obviously the organization uh, that Coach McVay put into making sure all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams you know, we had a clear-cut uh, goal each and every week and, and kind of maximized that time. So although you're absolutely right, it, it was not ideal. It has not been ideal. But I think I speak for everybody, uh, you know, in our organization when I say, you know, we really felt like we maximized that time. And now really kind of, uh, you know, there's still some uncertainties that may be there for training camp and on into the season. But because we were able to kind of have the success that we did in the spring kind of maximizing that time, I think we're all a little bit more comfortable handling kind of uh, being uncomfortable with what may uh, come about and our ability to adjust and try to maximize and make the most of what's been a tough situation for everybody, not just football teams, everybody included. Yeah, that's right. It's been everybody. Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator of the Rams, going into his first year, going towards his first training camp. Are you, you used the word uncomfortable. Are you comfortable or uncomfortable uh, going forward with this season, have you put any thought into that? Because I'm reading J.J. Watt the other day. I'm hearing from, you know, there's, there's reports of other NFL players starting to now question whether or not it's really, really safe. I talked to Tony Baselli earlier this week. He's like, yeah, hey, if they were playing football and I were a football player, I'd show up. You're a coach. Any trepidation whatsoever about COVID and playing ball and being around a whole bunch of people? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, once the protocols are put in place and, and, and between the, the NFL and the NFLPA, I know a lot of that is still being worked out, but it's going to be different. It's going to be a situation where, you know, you may be running a meeting. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a meeting in person, with, even as small as uh, with our three or four quarterbacks and, and our assistant quarterback coach, uh, there's going to be masks. There's going to be distancing. Uh, I, as a coach, you're going to have to become very comfortable with those protocols and then help be part of, uh, you know, obviously maintaining those so that as an organization uh, with the testing and with the fact that uh, you could go through a whole game week and potentially uh, on a Friday or Saturday or even uh, heading towards the stadium, um, if your temperature rises or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not able to completely clear the protocol to coach that day, uh, you know, as an organization, as a team, players, coaches included, we're all going to have to be able to adjust um, real time and try to and try to understand each and every day. Uh, but it, but as far as you know, my comfort level, I think I probably uh, am in line with a lot of the players and coaches right now. We just want to know those protocols, and then once we know what those are, uh, try to make sure, just like everybody's doing in society on a daily basis, try to make sure we're following those things, uh, doing whatever we can to maintain those things and then uh, just be ready to adjust as things move forward. Kevin O'Connell, before you go, have you been inside SoFi Stadium? I have not yet. I've seen some, you know, I've, I've seen some video, obviously, uh, you know, some of our uh, executives and, and I believe, our, you know, Sean, our head coach has been able to be there a couple times. Uh, and it just looks so, 
uh, unbelievably impressive and, and an unbelievable structure. And, and having been around, I, I was able to this past season, Scott, reach all 32 stadiums between a player and, and now coaching. I, I've been to all of them now. Uh, so obviously, uh, SoFi and, and some of the uh, in the new stadium out in Las Vegas, uh, we have our fourth preseason scheduled to go out there. So between getting to play our home games and maybe the greatest stadium in the world and obviously getting to go out to Vegas, hopefully and see that uh, stadium, uh, I'll keep my streak going and get into all these stadiums in the NFL. What's the best stadium? You've coached or played in every NFL stadium. You haven't been in SoFi yet. You haven't been in the new stadium in Vegas. What's the best stadium? What do you say? You know, I think there's, I think there's. Uh, I was able to go to Lambeau last year for the first time, and and, and we coached up there against those guys. Um, and there was just so much history, so much. It's almost like the feeling you get, you know, walking, you know, into Fenway Park or a place like that. Uh, but I, but I'm, in, I study a lot of history of the NFL, and I, I I'm constantly, uh, you know, in awe of, of our league and kind of where it's been and where it's headed, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Jerry's World there in Dallas. AT&T Stadium's fantastic. Uh, there, there's a lot of them. I've always uh, had a soft spot for the Meadowlands, you know, the Meadowlands uh, MetLife there in, in New York, finishing my career there with the Jets uh, before coming back out west. So there's a lot of really great ones. I know you make it to all of them, too, with your broadcasting work you do. Do you have a favorite? So Lambeau is definitely at the top of my list because it, you don't realize when you go there – how awesome it is and it's not like historically awesome like old yankee stadium or like dodger stadium or fenway like you mentioned it's like it looks retro and old but it's got all the amenities so i i love i love lambo jerry world is obviously like one of the seventh wonders of the world which is insane Uh, but i gotta say maybe my favorite stadium in the entire nfl to broadcast a game is probably seattle because that place goes absolutely nuts by the way Look, I, I've had some playoff games, you know, Rams-Cowboys as an example, in the Coliseum, nuts. I was there for the Rams and the Chiefs regular season game, nuts. But in terms of just consistency, Seattle, I think, is my number one stadium in the league. Absolutely. If they weren't in the same division with us, they, they might have found their way onto my list. But <laughs> we're going to have, a, we're, you know, I, I've, I've been there three or four times as the visiting team and it's not it's not as comfortable as going as a visiting broadcaster like you did. They make it very difficult to not only communicate, but it's a heck of an experience. There's yeah. no doubt that's a great place. It is. Uh, You'll be up there. So, there really is. There are really so many of them. Arrowhead's a great place. I mean, shoot, now that you got me thinking about it, I could probably go on and on. Kevin, it is great to talk to you. We'll we'll do this again. Appreciate this. Happy anniversary to you and your wife. Hope all is well with you and your family. Always appreciate it. Congratulations on becoming the Rams offensive coordinator. Thank you, dude. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. All right, you got it. Kevin O'Connell giving Straight Talk presented by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And look, it's not game day, but you can still feast like it is, right? Meet Church's new five-buck campfire smokehouse chicken, our fan favorite with a new campfire flavor, plus mashed potatoes and a biscuit. Church's bringing that home Oh, man, that down-home, not home-down, that down-home flavor. You're not going to talk to somebody and go, yo, man, I'm bringing that home-down flavor. You're like, yo, I'm bringing that down-home flavor. But I almost went home-down. Offer valid at participating churches' chickens. Okay, coming up, and thank you, Kevin O'Connell. That was fun. Coming up, Jerry West will be here, 2.30. Okay, so no matter what it is you're doing right now, get ready. 15 minutes, Jerry West will be here. But coming up. Charles Barkley 
insults Shaquille O'Neal by not even putting him in his top 10 list. I want you to hear it coming right back. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Yeah, a little flashback Friday. I love this song. This, is, this may be my favorite Run DMC song. I absolutely love this song. When I hear this song, I know exactly where I'm at. You know, it's the late 80s, high school football, the locker room, Run DMC, rap was just kind of happening. I thought I was cool, still do. It's Scott Kaplan at 710 ESPN. Chris Morales, nice work this week, man. Thank you. Appreciate all that. All right, let me, uh, let me say this. There have been a lot of talk this week about top 10 lists, you know. And as the NBA is on the verge of returning and as TNT has brought back the guys, there been a lot of talk about top 10s. And I know a lot of people got pissed this week when Kenny the Jet Smith did not include LeBron in his top 10. And then Shaquille and Chuck got into it last night. Chuck's up in Tahoe. And he's like, well, the big fella can't get to me. So they started going at it. Everybody's got a top 10. You can't win with a top 10. Let me, let me play for you Barkley and Shaq going at it last night because Chuck left Shaq off his list. Play it. We said, Are you kidding hey, me, Chuck? I'm not in your top in 10. Position? <laughs> right. You're not in, Shaq is not in your top 10. When have you ever seen... Now, I'm, no. Shaq, I'm not blowing smoke because he's here. When have you ever Shaq, seen anyone Shaq, like Shaq? I've never seen anybody like Shaq. Ever. Is. Shaq is the most dominant big man ever, in my opinion. But I put him behind Magic and Bird, LeBron and Kobe. I didn't put it behind nobody like crazy. Like, <laughs> no, you didn't even say yeah. Shaq. You did not say Shaq. Yeah, you didn't. Oh, you at all. Shaq, you did not you say, say my Shaq. name at all. Shaq, no, 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 no. I'm saying Shaq is right there. 11, 12, 13. Oh, my well, gosh. Are you kidding that me? Shit, Shaq. Are you kidding me? Oh, hey. If you get, Chuck, are you, you kidding know what? every time. But, but Chuck, Chuck, you know what? I miss you and all, but I ain't going to argue with you. You got two options. When you get back here, you face this. Or you take all your clothes off and you jump in that damn lake, lake river, ocean, whatever it is, and you hold your breath for 30 lake minutes. Lake so When I see you, I'm putting these hands on you. I'm not in your top 10. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love that. I love when, when Chuck is, like, getting a real high pitch and he's getting really mad, really, really mad. And it's not really a Charles Barkley impression. It's more like Frank Caliendo doing Charles Barkley. And he, he just said, Ernie, Ernie, I, I have him at number 13, Ernie. And then I like when Shaq is starting to warm up. Shaq is like, first Shaq, no, Chuck, Chuck, let me get my hand on you, Chuck. You better jump in that river, Chuck. And like, it takes Shaq time to first the timeline. And then, and then you start to really get into it. I love when Chuck and Shaq go at it. I need a little more of Chuck and Shaq wrestling on the ground. I like that. Bergman, what do you think? Shaq, 13, that, 14. That's ridiculous, first of all. But I I gotta say, your your Charles was actually was that was pretty good. That was actually pretty impressive. I, really? I, I, yeah, I thought that was a pretty strong Charles right there. I was really? Impressed. Is really is really Ernie? Is that the deal, Ernie? I have a friend in name of Ernie. I call him, I say, hey Ernie. Like I'm trying to do Chuck. I say, hey Ernie, it's Chuck. It's not good. It's it's really just it's, just, oh, it's, it's, it's better than the average. It really person. is Frank Caliendo doing right. Charles Barkley. Yeah, exactly. it is. Literally, it's still way better than most people trying to do 
Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to give you that. But to not have Shaquille O'Neal in your top 10 is just kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. There's been nobody that was anything ever like Shaquille O'Neal. He is the most dominant big man of all all time the biggest dude that nobody they had to change everything for him how to guard the inside he was unstoppable to be in to not be in the top 10 is a travesty here's here's chuck's top 10 michael jordan number one oscar robertson number two bill russell kareem wilt kobe lebron jerry west who will join us in about six minutes from right now elgin baylor magic and larry Larry Bird. I mean, that's a, that's a really good list. Shaq absolutely belongs to be in there. I mean, if you're going to probably take someone out, maybe. I mean, Elgin was fantastic, but I would probably move Elgin out, even though well, he's a great Laker. But then you got then you got Kenny Smith, though. Kenny Smith. Did, now, uh, Kenny, he has LeBron just barely. Can, can, can you guys play Kenny Smith explaining his version of the top 10 all time? Can you play that, Brawny? Why, still, why is LeBron James not in your top five? LeBron James is in my top ten. Okay. But he's ten, possibly. Whoa! Is Shaq in your top ten? Shaq's in my top ten. Is Kobe? No, Kobe's not in my top ten. Kobe's like 11. Magic, Larry Bird. Magic, Larry, yeah. Larry Bird. um, Who did I just say? um, (laughs) Archibald has to be in your top ten. Oscar and Nate Archibald are in your top ten. It's so much easier to score now that it makes it hard to judge guys' ability because it's so easy to score. Like, I was just, I was a good scorer. I wasn't even a great scorer. I averaged 17 points a game at my highest, I think, 18. So in that year, I probably would average 26, 25. He's great, but for me, this is in my opinion, yeah. it's not – in the top five of all time. That's kind of wild, though. That's, that is pretty wild, Kenny. All right, yeah, Kenny is like, he, he doesn't seem married to this list. He doesn't like sound like, hey, you know, I really put a lot of thought into this. I've got my top 10. I've written it all down, and here's why I'm going to defend it. Instead, it sounds like, is he in your top 10? No. Is he in your top 10? No. LeBron, 10. Kobe, 11. I thought we were all watching the Michael Jordan documentary having the conversation, who's the GOAT, MJ or LeBron? He's not even in, he's just barely in the top 10. Okay, coming up, Jerry West. One of the most decorated Lakers in the history of the franchise. Player, GM, architect, champion, logo, the whole deal. And now, Jerry West is a consultant for the Clippers. Let's talk to the all-time legend, Jerry West, next on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Reminder to download the Overheard podcast for curiously delightful conversations overheard around National Geographic's headquarters. It's presented by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Okay. I mentioned this to you earlier that I went deep, deep, deep today into calling in a favor. And Jerry West, the, I mean, one of the all-time great basketball men. I'm talking champion as a player, eight-time champion as an executive, two-time executive of the year, Hall of Famer. I could keep going on and on, but I know that's not his style. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, and here comes Jerry West, a guest on the ESPN Radio Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Jerry, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate your time. How are you? I'm fine, Scotty. Thank you for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. What are you up to today? I'm just curious. What's going on in your real life? (laughs) 
Well, I'm not so sure that my life is any different than everyone else. I think, you know, first of all, you're uh, trying to stay safe with this virus uh, going around, disrupting the world, uh, disrupting everything, and then uh, trying to pay attention to um, uh, a coming season for for the NBA with uh, all the implications that go with that and uh, watching all the turmoil that seems to be going on in this world. It's not a great time for this country right now, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been a real struggle. I mean, since the early part of the year when most of us, I admit it, I have my hand raised, did not really take corona seriously. And then through the quarantine and then through the terrible events that happened with George Floyd in Minneapolis, it has been a very, very tough year for America. So we all want sports to come back, Jerry. And the NBA seems to have the right plan. Just give me your opinion. How do you believe the NBA will do in this so-called bubble world that they're going to live in? You know, first of all, you know, I would say that um, the NBA has, you know, they, they've gone all out to try to, uh, to, try to do this correctly, uh, try to make sure the players are safe, and have a conclusion to the season, which uh, I think everyone wants. But I think the thing that makes it so awkward is, is that, you know, you start the season, the players really get it gone, and, you know, you're looking toward the end of the season, and by now, we would have had a champion. So um, the organization of this, you have to give the NBA a lot of credit. They've touched all their, uh, all their bases. They've checked with everyone to try to make this, first of all, a safe environment, and then a competitive environment. Um, as I say, this is not anything like we've seen before. And uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, I'm glad to see that we hopefully are going to have a, a champion this year. But uh, the NBA's work behind this um, has been extraordinary because they've consulted with everyone, uh, all the health officials, um, uh, teams. Uh, there's been a lot of communication going on, and so I think from the NBA's perspective, they've done all they can do. Now it's up to the players to. I think adjust uh, to being in a very confined uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, they're not going to be during the regular season. You have to stay in a hotel maybe two nights, but no more than that. Uh, and here we are going to be isolated for up to three months. I think that's going to be the big challenge for the players. I think it's going to be a challenge for management of all teams that are involved there. Involved there. And uh, with the rules and regulations established there, these players are going to be really confined uh, to practice. And I'm not sure personally how much interaction they're going to have, but they're going to be as safe as they can. But um, hopefully without a crowd that they can um, conjure up inside of their minds and their bodies to uh, make this a very competitive uh, event, People like competition, regardless of what it is, and I think all the shut-ins. This will be a big hit on the on all of the um, uh, purveyors of NBA, uh, you know, ESPN, TNT, uh, whoever is going to be allowed to present this to our respective fans and also the public, general public. Uh, it's it's going to be. I think, fun for all of us who have been involved for so long to watch. 
Jerry West on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN, the all-time Hall of Famer and champion and now consultant to the Clippers. By the way, is that strange at all? Like with your career as decorated and your resume um, as littered with championships all, you know, with the Laker organization to at, at this stage of your career to be working for the Clipper organization, is that strange in any way? Not really. Uh, you know, to say, um, I think in this league, uh, you do things that number one that um, I think inspire you, but in, uh, encourage you. And uh, Mr. Bomber is just about as good as it ever has gotten in my life. Uh, he's a wonderful person, uh, but more importantly, he is a fan. And my years with the Lakers, of course, were filled with incredible things. Uh, great relationship with Jerry Buss, and after I left, uh, obviously, I wasn't. Uh, back there anymore in my life and going to memphis and having five years down there was probably the most fun i've had because of the completely different kind of a challenge and then secondly being involved with the warriors to watch that warriors really um watch the warriors really uh prosper and and win world championships and now here with the clippers which will be the last stop of my life it's fun to be with people who are uh, committed people and to have an owner like him. I am fascinated actually by Steve Ballmer because he really did, Jerry, he changed um, the trajectory of, of franchise values in not just the NBA, but all of pro sports. When he bought the Clippers and paid $2 billion top dollar, that's how a team like the Carolina Panthers can get sold for $2.4 billion. I mean, Everybody in pro sports celebrated when Steve Ballmer wrote that check because every franchise went up thereafter. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by the guy. It's interesting to hear you talk about him the way you do and call him Mr. Ballmer the way you do. You must, you, I mean, you, you really must think he's a great owner. Well, uh, as I say, I've seen no better, to be honest with you. Um, Jerry Buss was right up there, uh, as far as I was concerned, the late Mike Heisley. And with the Warriors who have uh, now have... Uh, you know, they're owned by uh, a group of people, but I really enjoyed my stay up there, too. It was they're just great people running the franchise. But the thing that makes it fun is when you win. Uh, and that, for me, is, I think, is what life is all about. The challenging uh, challenges of putting a team together and an organization uh, that you have that can, that can build and win a championship. And, and to me... Uh, there's going to be one team happy after every season. That's a team that wins it all. There's going to be some te- people that be very excited about, <laughs> you know, going on to next year. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, to, to work for someone like him has just been fantastic. And uh, he and his wife, Connie, uh, I don't think I've ever seen more philanthropic people. And they do their homework when they do it. And it's just so much fun. To, to watch how they uh, contribute to uh, society and also, more importantly, to causes that they carefully vet. Uh, they're, they're just amazing people. And uh, as I say, I feel really fortunate to end my career that uh, he thought that, uh, you know, I could contribute something to the team. And it's nice to be wanted regardless of what age you are. I could imagine so. I mean, and by the way, I mean, with all of your championships and all of your hardware, I could certainly understand why a guy like Steve Ballmer would want a guy like Jerry West around. Jerry West, on with Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. So 
if you're going to build a championship team and now you're consulting for the Clippers, you're obviously going to need your best player. That's Kawhi Leonard. I know you, you know the news story, which is that he did not accompany the team down to Orlando. So, uh, and the, the, the reason given was family matters and, you know, people respect that. But what does that mean? Do you know, like, what does it mean for Kawhi when he'll get there? What he'll have to do? Uh, I mean, look, you, you guys obviously got to have him. You went out and got him for this reason. What, what can you tell us about when Kawhi perhaps will show up, if you know? Well, as I say, he's a remarkable player, first of all. He's unique in the sense that, you know, he doesn't go around patting himself on the back. He's not one of those uh, people who uh, tells everyone how great he is. Uh, he is an unbelievably disciplined worker. And any time that he might miss, um, it, it's not because he hasn't done his work. But, again, he's just one of those guys that you would want on your team. He is very, very easy for other players to uh, get along with. And at the end of the day, to have one of the two or three best players in the league on your team, uh, it's, awful, it's awful nice to have, and particularly because he's so easy to deal with. You expect him there sometime soon? Oh, he'll be there. He'll be. Trust me, he'll be there. Okay, I do. I do trust you very much. Absolutely. I'm wondering what you think, if you could put yourself into this mindset as a player, how I, I, I thought at first, Jerry, that it was going to be very easy, like, you know, wife and kids, no distraction, um, you know, nobody needs tickets. I'm not traveling and schlepping all over the place. It's just me, my team, coaches, meetings, rest, training, and playing basketball. But I'm starting to think this might be a lot harder mentally on players than I've thought or have given credit to. What do you think about the notion of zoning in, concentrating, versus perhaps guys that have a hard time with these new surroundings and conditions? What would you say? Well, again, you know, all these players know each other, okay? And it's probably good, you know, when you have your off season. I think it's kind of nice to get back to things that are more normal. You don't have the competitive day of a game. You don't have the constant meetings, the film work that's done, all the individual work is done, and, and certainly all the teamwork is done. But I think that, that the, uh, to me, the, the most difficult thing, if I were involved in something like this, for me, the most difficult thing would be to really, how do you play games in an arena where fans, sometimes they lift you up when you're not, you know, when you're not feeling your best and you don't have it that day, they can inspire a lot of people. But I think the real challenge is for these people to be in the same room every day, basically by themselves. I'm not sure what the interaction is going to be uh, with each other's players because I did not read the manual, and frankly, deliberately, um, that is given to all players and all personnel when they're uh, when they're trying to uh, when 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 this was being implemented. So, at, at the end of the day, it's just something that I think everyone um, is going to have to te- be a test their own metal. To be honest with you, uh, because they're going to, people want to be uh, not so confined. But there are so many rules that they are literally going to be in a bubble. And uh, I think the emotional, mental part of it, you know, they get there and, and they haven't played basketball uh, for, what, three months? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, and here they are. Uh, uh, here they are being asked to go back and play the way they were playing, which was probably at the top of their game, completely away from their friends who they interact with, and more importantly, uh, some of them who have families. Um, I think that's going to be the challenge to say. I don't. I don't know if I could handle being in the same room every day, and not be able to get out and roam a little bit. As I say, I, I would feel so confined. And I think you're going to see a changing habits. I'm hoping that the players will start to read. Uh, there's so many great reads out there today about leaders, about what's going on in this world. Uh, as people that inspire you. I would hope that some of them would take it upon themselves to become readers where it's just not for pleasure, but to learn. Uh, I think that could help some, but everyone is different, and that's what makes it so unique. We have a great group of people, great, but there are some different um, personalities there, and it's not getting along, but this team really gets along well. It's about how they can discipline themselves when they just want to get out of their darn room. Talking uh, to the logo, was- yeah, Jerry West. Hey, Jerry, I, I think you're bringing up such a fascinating point. I really do. I think can guys concentrate, focus, zone, not lose their minds, not feel like they can't get out, and which they probably can't. You well, mentioned they can't. Right, that's just it. Because they've got it. They've got to think it's bigger than just me. You mentioned good books. Is there anything you could could recommend? Oh my goodness, there's so many, so many books, and um, uh, that I think are inspirational. Uh, some of them to me about leaders. Um, you know, uh, everyone has different issues in life that maybe they can address. So, you know, I battle depression, and I like to read about people who have fought the same battle. I'm also incredibly interested in leaders. And people who have made this a better world. Um, I'm a, a huge history buff. Um, I'm also uh, enjoy reading about um, the black race, what they've been through in their lives, um, uh, the Indian race, uh, what they've been through in their lives, and also the other people who have struggled making ends meet when, like today, when people are out of work. Um, every time you hear a moving story, uh, it makes you, as a, someone who's lived as long as I have, want to do something different or to help make a difference. And I think this is something these players who have such visibility, they have a great platform uh, to help change this world. And I'm hopeful that in these private times together, they can start, talk about stuff other than, uh, other than just uh, being basketball players. So uh, good advice. it can be a real learning period for everyone. That is great advice. Jerry West, the, I mean, really, I mean, the, the most decorated Laker guy, I mean, of all time, from player to coach to executive to champion to Hall of Famer and now a consultant to the Clippers. Jerry, I can't thank you enough for taking some time and spending it with us this afternoon and spreading some wisdom. Thank you. Good luck. Enjoy the remainder of the NBA season. Look forward to having you back again. Thank you so much, Jerry. Scotty, thank you. It's uh, everyone needs a little competition. That's what this country is based upon, and this will give everyone a chance to um, uh, see NBA basketball at its best. I hope. I sure hope so too. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate thank your time. Thank you. Um, bye bye. 
Bye-bye. Get in the Zone. It's brought to you by AutoZone. That's Jerry West. Get in the Zone, AutoZone. That was, listen, you're talking about a guy, you know his resume. And to hear him come on the air and just spread some wisdom, I thought that was really interesting at the end. Like, hey, use this time to, to all the things you're talking about, social injustice and, and you know, wanting to be a leader, now would be a great time to really read about a lot of that stuff. I thought that was awesome from Jerry West. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate you. Hey, we've heard the rumors, but the wait is finally over. Fight Island is primed and ready to go. It's happening this Saturday. That's right. No Hamilton for me. I'm watching Fight Island. The fighters are taking their talents to Abu Dhabi for UFC 251. The lineup of fights this weekend is one of the best yet in DraftKings. The leader in one-day fantasy sports is putting you in the center of the action. You get the shot now. You got a shot at $1 million. That's the top prize with your first deposit. Now, if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. I haven't played, so maybe I'll try it. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. But if MMA, if MMA isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action this weekend, too. Um, so, look, there's a lot going on. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code BRISTOL to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize for this weekend's UFC 251 contest with your first deposit. The promo code is BRISTOL. i got to catch my breath. The promo code is BRISTOL to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay. All right. Let me tell you something. Here comes Mason and Ireland. And, uh, and then we're going to put a nice big tidy bow on this week. And we're going to go into week two of the 10-day contract Crosstalk with Mason in Ireland. This is 710 ESPN and Scott Kaplan. Friday afternoon. Years. 20 plus years, man. Come on. 20 well, you know plus how, years. You, you know how it goes, Mace. It's like, you know, you, you go on the radio. Yeah. You're on the same radio station every day. Same people, same stuff, same place. Yep. And then all Tell of a sudden. It, about it. And, then, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it just becomes like commonplace, you know? And then all of a sudden, all these years later, you're like, wait a second, I'm going on a new radio station in essentially a new market. Wow, this is freaking exciting, dude. You know what so I've been thinking I'm about? This that. is just just in the last week, because, um, you know, it, it's it's weird right now. I'm at my house. Ireland's at his house. We're making radio every day. Lindsay's doing her thing. Funch is doing his. You know, there will come a time when we look back at this and say, when our radio careers are over, these were the good old days. Not specifically these during the pandemic, but these shows that we get to do every day, this job that we get to do every day. We won't be doing it forever. I will not be working with Ireland in, what do you think, 10 years for sure. Well, I was going to say two months, but 10 years <laughs> yeah. is fine. But, I mean, these are the good old days. When we were on the radio and we are on a great station and we've been here for, I don't know, 16 years we've been at uh, ESPN, uh, this, is, this is a golden time in life. It's a terrible time uh, from a daily perspective. I went and saw my uh, friend Sue Kalinske today. Uh, she looks uh, – well, I, I, I look ragged. I won't say she looks ragged. Mm. Uh, but, but I think we all – are a little bit ragged right now. Uh, but, no, this is this is fun being on this station. You're right. It's a great station. You should have been looking forward to this for 20 years. I Let me tell you, I've had an amazing week. I mean, I truly have had an amazing week because, you know, day one, you're like, okay, there's a lot of nerves, and, and you know, I, I spent a week kind of catching up with, with, uh, with stories and watching films and, I mean, videos of the, earlier in the season and stuff. So 
I was pretty excited and jazzed on Monday. And on Monday, everybody kind of just let me go. They didn't have me doing a whole bunch of reads. I wasn't talking about the fact that it's not game day, but you can still feast like it is. Steve, have you met Church's new five-buck campfire smokehouse chicken? It's a fan favorite with the new campfire flavor. i about it, but haven't had it yet. Yeah, the mashed potatoes, the biscuit. Church is bringing mm. that down-home flavor. Mm. Yeah, offer valid at participating Bring locations. Bring it. So I, I, Monday I started off that nobody said anything about this. You know, Tuesday I got a lot of stuff to try and read. By Wednesday, yep. Thursday I start to groove. And then for me, I'm just, this is just pure personal stuff. Um, you know, not only did I get this week here at ESPN, and I'll get next week as well, but I launched my first mobile app. And, and Steve, I know you were in the, the, the business of uh, movie theaters. Yep. This is, this is my first time ever in the, the mobile app entrepreneurial world yeah where I, had to go out and raise yeah, my own money. I downloaded it yeah i appreciate that it's called sided s-i-d-e-d it's available in the apple store and in the google play store it's called sided you'll find it under sided debates i would love it if everybody would download it because dude it's um it's been a lot of work raising money you ever see that show on uh, on hbo called silicon valley oh sure Dude, that's the life. That is that is the life that's, of you've been out pounding the pavement banging on doors just begging for money you know, and then trying to build product and software. And I don't know anything about software. So this is all brand new stuff to me. So it's been a great week. I launched this mobile app, been on the radio for five days, hopefully going to get the next five days. And I get to work with you guys and, and a great crew. And, and it's a great radio station. So thanks. what's great is uh, Scott's uh, app is a debate app. Um, and you, you basically gives you a subject and then you choose one side or the other. Then you can actually uh, join in in a debate. The nice thing is I've won every debate I've participated in. Is that right? Yes, every single one. Mm-hmm. Well, I did post something earlier today, and this is because your man Bergman wants to watch baseball games in the parking lot. That's not for me. I posted yeah, me the question, either. Yeah, would you go to a stadium to watch a game drive-in style? Uh, that's a big no for me, dog. Yeah, you know, we talked about this yesterday. I started to warm up to the idea a little bit. A little bit. Um, the one thing about baseball on television is it's a game that benefits a lot from TV. Um, I want to see where that pitch is. I want to see what pitch it was. I want to see if he threw slider, change up. You know, all that stuff is is really good to have. At the same time, as a night out for a ball game, sign me up for that uh, that Houston Astros series in September. We can we can boo from the parking lot. That's what I'm saying, Steve. And then you can honk as instead of a boo. So you just bother them while they're while they're trying to hit. I John Ireland, come on, John, please. You're I've not already, going to... No, I've already, Scott. I've already been through this, but this is GBS. Greg Bergman's stupid. It is seven hours in your car. You would have to leave so wherever we seven hours in your car, Bergman. That's your idea of a good Who's, time. Why? Why you? It's just because you're coming from Newport Beach and you're like you have to go and drive. Well, explain so to me far. why. It, I, it's not the drive. It's that I'm in my car sitting there for seven. Get hours. two lawn chairs out and set right. them out in front of the car. Exactly. Or get so, a pickup Bergman, truck and sit in the back some, of the pickup truck. You sent me some picture last night that the Patriots opened their stadium. They did it. People are running around. They're not social distancing. They're running up to the other cars. What you're, what you're you inviting you is a who. COVID nightmare. <laughs> no, we, need to, we need to find ways to get together, even well, in this me, era this where we it. can't get together. Yeah, sitting in your car for seven hours ain't it. Like I wanted to do, Michael B. Jordan is doing uh, a drive-in at the Vineland Drive-In in City of Industry. Uh, are we allowed to do like a promotion, like come join us at a drive-in? I don't think, not unless it gets uh, run past. Oh, yeah. Corporate Greg, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, we've are thinking about doing some kind of thing with a drive-in, possibly for a Laker game, like a watch party type thing. But that's kind of just Tr- trying, trust trying to me on this. Out. This has to go through promotions, or we're all getting sued. Yes, everything. Yeah, because I want to. I want to. I want to. Right. Uh, bring a bunch of listeners, a bunch of listeners' cars out to the drive-in. Oh dear. Let's God. go. Let's go have a movie experience. Together, we will be socially distant the entire time, but we'll be doing it together. We need things that can bring us together. That's what we need now more than ever. On that night, Kaplan, you and I can do a Zoom drunk and get drunk at our houses, drinking with each other on Zoom. And And I'll be with the people. Yeah. With the people. You won't be with the people. You'll be in your car. So you don't go to people in their cars. You've never been to a drive-in movie? I mean, I haven't, but have you ever been to a drive-in movie? So then what's yeah, the difference? Because in, in, in a regular drive-in movie, you can get up and go to the bathroom. What are you doing for the bathroom in this idea of yours, Bergman? Well, I'm sure there are going to be, you know, porta-potties around. So you're sending me seven hours in my car and stand in line six feet apart for a porta-potty. So in the, case of, in the case of the Michael B. Jordan one, it says uh, Amazon-sponsored, double-feature, uh, City of Industry, uh, refreshments are on Amazon. All purchases, all purchased from diverse-owned local businesses. That's cool. That's a good Why idea. not? Hey, listen, I'll, I'll tell you guys this right now. Um, the Del Mar racetrack is opening today. I know That's you guys right. used to have a horse, and That's I'd love right. to hear about this. But and I have a horse running in the last race today. The horse is called Julius. Do not bet on this horse. I'm telling you. But you know, you really do have a horse running. Oh yeah, dude. I've you know I've been in the business for now like what like ten years or so. But how many horses have you had? Um, oh, over the years, I mean, you know, hundreds, but, but now I think we've got about seven or eight horses, but we can't go see the horses. Um, but our you know what horse, they, our horse Kaplan was a bottomless pit of money. I tell mean, me about did, this. Uh, we would get bills for like horse dentist, $400 mm-hmm. horse transport from Del Mar to Santa Anita, 600 bucks. I Mason, I think we got rooked. I think they said, here are a couple of suckers that don't know what anything costs. Let's just send them. I think we did, too. Here's the thing, Scott. So we had uh, we had one horse, a filly named Phone Abroad. She was two for two lifetime. She won her both her first then two races. Then broke her foot, and that was it. Then we claimed a horse called Golden Lantern. And Golden Lantern went out and won his first race, tanked in his second race, and we allowed it to be claimed. But we were three for four lifetime and lost our asses why would you guys have thought that you could just buy a horse or two horses like what my group does is i take 20 people everybody puts in 20 grand we take four hundred thousand dollars we essentially hand it off to the trainer and then everybody's an equal partner in all 10 horses why would you yes we were five percent owners we own 2.5 percent each and we think the uh, the people that own the other 95% just rooked us. <laughs> and true true story, we got like the most reputable trainer that we could find. And, and like Mason said, our horses were really successful. And tragically, our trainer committed suicide. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Eddie Gregson. Oh, my goodness. It was like the whole experience, we're done. We can't go back to horse racing. It was just, it was fun for about 10 minutes. Well, I guess Let me ask point, you this, Scott. Yeah, do, you, do you have some level because because we've been living sort of this santa anita story and the unbelievable number of horses that have uh, died on the track mm-hmm. do you have any level of guilt about being in the business of course it's so funny you ask it that way yes of course like there's a part of me that when something like that happens i like put my head down and my hand over my head uh, thankfully del mar has got a very strong safety record yes and 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 yes it's true um you know people who are in that business 
ultimately love the business and they love the horses and the people who work in the business. I mean, the people that are really hands on, they love these love animals those horses yeah. and they treat them like superstar athletes. And so, yes, when something happens and there's a, an ugly controversy, if it's a Bob Baffert is, is busted for some sort of drugging or, or if horses, you know, uh, die in training or in races. Yes, it is. It is. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, but it is a business that there's lots of human beings that are employed by this industry and, uh, people love the animals. So yes, I, I admit what you're asking. Yes, it's true. I do feel that way sometimes, but it's also a great sport that is, is, you know, not as a sport of Kings. Yeah. You know what they do, um, by the way, just, you guys were talking about these drive-in ideas, you know, the, the fair didn't happen this year and I don't know the LA fair yeah. is not going to happen. Right. I mean, that's not going to happen. No, the orange County fair is not going to, the LA County fair is not going to happen. But what they did that. is they set up all the food stands out in the parking lot. So people could drive by and go, Oh, you know what? If you want that bacon wrapped Turkey leg, you can still get it. If you want that deep fried snicker bar, you can still get it. I don't know who eats it, but it's available. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, we've got a big food truck scene, obviously, here in L.A. I'm sure it's in San Diego as well. Food trucks are totally fine to eat at. It's outdoor dining. Uh, you walk up, you grab your food. Uh, everybody's uh, masked up, and you take your food away. So food trucks are still good. I can't see why fair trucks wouldn't be just as good. I like food trucks. I don't know who ate that disgusting stuff at the fair, though. What that stuff talking? is just what are you talking about? awful. The stuff at the fair is fantastic. The stuff at the fair is is just as, as he dog said. Corn dog wrapped in a waffle. Come on, yeah. man, bring <laughs> it's it on. A, it's, a, it's like that gross ballpark food. We've invented uh, a new gross stuff, ballpark food for this year. Yeah. <laughs> I am I am destroying your clock, and and I do not want to step on Mason and Ireland, guys. Thank you very much for a phenomenal week. Thank you to Amanda and Greg and Adam and Chris and everybody that's worked with us here this week at seven ten. Um, are you guys back next week? Yeah, to the best okay. of my knowledge. Do I you know, know something? I Wait a know, minute, I have you heard George, something? George is on vacation, you know, and I didn't know yeah, if you guys I did, were. Did you, but did you hear something about us no. not being oh, no. back? No, nothing like okay. that. Nothing like that. I know right, there's you know, sure. crazy times right now, and there's yeah, a new check lineup. Check with us on Monday. We're okay. planning to be back. That's well, the plan. Well, I plan to see you guys on Monday. I wish you a great weekend. I can't wait to listen right now. For everybody here who's been helping out, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Mason in Ireland right now. Peace.